0: you're listening to a podcast of The River in Durant, Oklahoma, we hope that what you're about to hear will bless you and empower you to live the life that God has called you to live. We hope that it will strengthen your faith and it will help you better understand and better recognize who you are in Christ Jesus.
1: And for the reason I wrote... wrote. I've written this post today, I said, to tell you about a man who taught me what I consider to be the most important message on church's duty to the Lord Jesus. And the church's duty to the Lord Jesus. And it's the reason why we're all still here, not, not in heaven. Global evangelization. The we lost the most important reason, we're here. The great evangelist Scott Hinkle wasn't a mentor, but a peer, a friend who taught me told me to keep the main thing, the main thing, he said, yeah. Always keep the main thing, the main thing, he'd say. I didn't know what the main thing was until I heard him speak. <laughs> he says, so winning, John, so winning. He became internationally famous by hosting the National Street Minister's Conference for many years and thousands in attendance. He'll be with Ann and me at the River Church this Sunday morning at 10 o'clock. Don't miss this opportunity to hear one of America's finest. You're here. You're here. Welcome, Scott Hinkle. Thank you, my friend. He loves you. You came unclipped. I came unclipped. I will. I will
0: reclip myself. (laughs) You know, I. I know George Whitfield and those great preachers with great voices in days gone by. Never got unclipped. Great to see my lifelong friend Don Day here. Uh, graduate of CF and I. Probably one of the most gifted graphics designers I've ever known. And together we've, uh, we've preached the gospel around the world in millions of copies of gospel tracts. And so he, he lives here in the area. I didn't know you knew, but hey, I'm glad you're here. How many of you are glad you're here this morning? Amen. How many of you know this is the Pentecost Sunday.
2: Amen.
0: Which is a very dangerous day for me to preach.
3: <laughs>
0: and I, I have a very dangerous message to bring here today, but I'm honored. How many of you love <laughs> Pastor Ann and Dr. John Holland? How many of you love <laughs> These are Very dear friends, and in my response to those words they were I'm humbled. they were very gracious and kind and generous. Uh, I think the only way I could get a better introduction is uh, if I tried to introduce myself, but that wouldn't work. <laughs> Thank you for that. That was just an attempt at humor. But this morning I, I'd like to begin, and my wife sends her greeting to you. She was going to come today, but her dad just passed away not too long ago and and a lot of stuff's been happening. He was 96, so uh, yes, absolutely. But I'd like to begin today by looking at the time in Jesus' life that was the very end of his life. And we're going to begin by looking at John chapter 19, beginning at verse 28. And I'm going to read Dr. Holler from the New Living Translation. I hope you
3: forgive me. <laughs>
0: Jesus knew that his mission was now finished. And to fulfill scripture, he said, I am thirsty. A jar of sour wine was sitting there, so they soaked the sponge in it and put it on a hyssop branch and held it up to his lips. And when Jesus had tasted it, he said, it is finished. Then he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. Again, Jesus had finished his earthly mission and on the cross he said those words we've heard so often it is finished yeah. about a year and a little over a year or so ago when the great Dr. Billy Graham went home to be with the Lord 99 yeah. years of age yeah. I mean the crusades the people but one of the things I loved about Billy Graham is no matter where he went he didn't need a public relations team that,
2: that's right.
3: when he
0: showed up People knew, here's a man of God. He's a Christian. He believes in Jesus Christ and the Bible. He didn't have to wear a T-shirt that announced it. That's right. He didn't have to wear a big electric cross.
2: Yeah.
0: (laughs) And I believe that that even though Graham's ministry is continuing to his son and his grandson and many others, I believe Billy Graham at the age of 99 could have said, it is finished, regarding his earthly call and ministry. But friends, as I'm here in Durant, Oklahoma, looking at the river, the people of God here today, let me tell you what is absolutely clear. It is not finished. The work of God must go forward. And as I proceed with you here today, I'm, I'm really speaking to you as much from my heart as a prepared message. And there's something i've learned in 49 years of preaching the gospel that if i bring you a sermon that i simply constructed in a study or a library setting it's good but maybe i'll give you window dressing for your thinking might help but if i can speak to you from my heart as well as the word of god i may have an opportunity to connect with your heart and that's what i'm after here Today, I'm a man under assignment, if I can put it that way today. And there's a word that I've got to discuss with you for a moment. It's a word that excites some people when they're moving ahead in life. Or that same word strikes fear and terrifies, paralyzing others. This word produces either action or resistance. (laughs) It's the word change. I know the only one that really cries out for change is a baby with dirty diapers, right? Amen. <laughs> During election time, many candidates run on the platform of change. Yeah. We cast a vote hoping someone will bring change. We move to a different location, get another job. Some folks even switch churches. <laughs> yeah. Not here, looking for change. Without a doubt, change is a part of what life is all about here on planet Earth, isn't it? From the moment we're birthed, change takes place in our body moment after moment after moment. Webster gives us a definition that helps bend our mind a little bit more around the word change. To make different in some particular way or alter. To make radically different or transform to make a shift from one to another or switch. All of this has to do with that word, change. I've discovered that Christ followers, how many are Christ followers here today? Is it the time to mess up or I'll change my sermon for just a moment? <laughs> I've discovered that Christ followers are intended to be agents of change. Say that phrase with me. Agents of change. As a matter of fact, the people of God are the greatest agents of change in the world today. Think about what Christ followers do. We start schools. We build hospitals and clinics. We feed the poor. We build water wells where clean water is hard to find. We bring encouragement. We pray for the sick. We lead people to a new life in Jesus Christ. Atheists don't do this stuff, but followers of Jesus Christ do. We are change agents in the world today. I mean, change is an integral part of Christianity, isn't it? Think about it with me. When Jesus came on the scene, Religion, as it was known, changed forever. Mm-hmm. Hey, look, on the day of Pentecost, it all changed. Yes, you know. yes, it did. Think what happened on this day. First of all, the church was born on Pentecost Day. Right. And it was an explosive birth. The little baby of the church just didn't slip onto the earth un- unnoticed. Yeah. It was like, wham! 3,000 people got saved. Tongues of fire on people's head. Yeah. Kind of crazy, huh? Yeah.
3: Tongues
0: of fire on somebody's head. Here. People go, man, that church over there on the freeway. uh uh-huh. got <laughs> tongues of fire on their head. Yeah. When Christ makes us home in our heart, I like that phrase. Ephesians uses that. Kind of reminds me of ladies when you move into a new place. You start to Put all your little knickknacks up. You hang your pictures over here. You put the furniture here. And you move it over here. <laughs> and you move it over here. And you move it back here. All you're doing here is making that place your home.
3: Yeah.
0: You know when Jesus comes into our home, our life, our heart, he makes it his home. He moves stuff around. How many of you figured that one out? Yeah. How many of you say he's still moving? Amen. Yeah. Amen. <laughs> you see, if you've not had any change since Jesus came into your life, forgive me, Dr. Haller, you can check me on this. If you've not had change in your life, then Jesus has not come into your life.
3: Yeah.
0: No change. No Jesus. The very presence of Jesus in any, in every person's life lovingly, yet clearly calls and demands change. You cannot meet the Jesus of the Bible and stay exactly how you are. It is absolutely impossible. You're right about it. Whether you're a drug addict, gang member tattooed on the back of a Harley and smell like a suit, or you're sophisticated, <laughs> squeaky clean religious driving a bentley with Chanel number five.
3: <laughs> <laughs> when
0: Jesus comes into your life, it brings change. Yeah. I mean, after all, what you call forgiveness from your sin, cleansing, healing, deliverance, all are connected to God-type change. Yeah taking a mere human from darkness to light, death to life, old life, new life, all of this is change. Change. Christianity, the gospel, and church are to be transformative. Say that word with me. Transformative. In nature, practice, fruit, and evidence. Mm -hmm. The definition of transformative According to Oxford Dictionary, (laughs) it's causing a marked change in something or someone. Hey, the Bible has a lot to say about change. One of my favorite verses is Proverbs 4.18 right now. The path of the righteous grows brighter and and brighter. brighter." Brighter. brighter. Sounds like a little bit of change to me. Or in 1 Corinthians 15, 41, we shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. In other words, in the final analysis, in the final moment of time, we will be changed. Hallelujah. Amen. Maybe I'll get a new name. Maybe I can trade Hinkle for a day or a what Why Why not? Y'all are plastic. Okay, thank you very much. I know we were listening to the thunder, but that's God emphasizing my sermon. Amen. Right. Another verse here. How many of you love the Word of God? Amen. Good, because I'm going to use a lot of it. Amen. Isaiah 43, 18 and 19. We see it up there. Do not remember the former things, nor consider the things of old. Behold, listen up. Hey, yo. Behold, now I will, no matter how you say it, I meaning the same. Behold, now I will do a new, new thing. thing. How many of you like new things? Amen. New stuff.
3: Yeah.
0: These are new sneakers. They Woo-hoo! never go to the gym. They go to church and preach. Amen. That's what they're designed for. Hallelujah. Amen. I mean, we like new so much, you can buy a huge car and put a new car of smell in it. Amen. (laughs) Behold, I'll do a new thing. Now it shall spring forth, shall you not know it. I'll even make a road in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. So much comes out of that verse, but also that we should recognize and embrace change. We're talking about change today. How many of you experienced a change when Jesus came into your life? Amen. I was a drug addict, addicted to heroin. I'm Jewish, that means I wasn't raised in church. <laughs> I'm from New Jersey, that means I'm not from the Bible Belt. And yet Jesus changed
3: me. Yeah.
0: Uh, and he still is, incidentally. <laughs> I would venture a guess that you would agree with me that our world, our nation, and even this community all need change. Am I right? Yeah. Yeah.
1: What I find
0: interesting is that with all of the earthly elements, the co-creator of the universe, Jesus Christ, chose, he chose two common elements to describe the lives of his followers. Again, how many followers of Jesus are here? This is just, just a second checkup. check up. Hallelujah. <laughs> the word of the Lord, well, the word of the preacher comes to such a time. Can you guess what they are? In Matthew 5, verses 13 to 16. This message isn't going to help us walk on water. We may have a little bit outside the door after this. get done I'm hearing.
3: But
0: it's going to help us Fulfill the purpose and mission we're on this planet. Matthew 5, beginning in verse 13. You're the salt of the earth, and if the salt loses its flavor, how shall it be seasoned? It is then good for nothing but to be thrown out and trampled underfoot My men. You are the light of the world. A city that's set on a hill cannot be hidden, neither do people light a lamp and put it under a basket. But on a lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. The two elements, once again, Jesus chose to describe me and you are common elements. They are salt and light. I repeat, the greatest agents of change in the world today uh, the people of God, me and you, there's no greater agent of change on this planet than the person is sitting in a chair you're occupying at this very moment. Not only are we to be changed and continue to embrace change, but we are designed to be those agents of change in the world that we live in. I want to take a look at how these two common elements Exemplify the life Jesus intends for us to live. Amen. Let the reign of the Holy Ghost come down, right? Amen. Element number one. Salt. We just read the words of Jesus. You're the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its flavor, how so? it be seasoned? It said, good for nothing but be thrown out and trampled underfoot by a man. Now, these are some pretty specific statements. Jesus, say this with me. I am am the 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 salt of the earth. Now, in one sentence, I am the salt of the earth. This applies to every believer. No exceptions. We are remain salty. Now, look, I know that it's a time of I say you're a salty old guy. That may you a nasty course, tell foul jokes, use obscene. That's not what we're talking about. Amen. We're to remain Christ-like by the grace of God. Yeah. And if we're not, our kingdom usefulness on earth is nullified. Okay, I'll move off of this point, move forward. <laughs> Salt is a preservative. The Christ-like presence, not self-righteous. I don't know of you know somebody that's self-righteous? You don't have to raise it. Never mind. <laughs> the Christ-like presence of believers, guys, raises the level of morality in their immediate sphere of influence. Have you ever walked up on somebody and they're in the middle of telling a dirty joke or using foul language, and you walk up? You don't have a Jesus shirt on and electric cross quaking. You just walk up on them and they go on oh, side and you didn't say any kind Have you ever had that experience? You are living out the preservative aspect of being salt. You didn't say anything, you didn't hit them with a 500 pounds family Bible with a holographic picture of Jesus on the front. You know those holographic pictures, meant eyes follow you everywhere. <laughs> You just roll up, excuse me, walk up to them. You have preserved that level of morality. You put a lid on it. Salt is a preservative. Every year we've taken three to 400 people in the Mardi the world for 38 years. It's pretty wild and wicked. I want to ask if any of you have ever been there because sometimes it's not for missionary reasons. You were the mission field. (laughs) And it's wicked. And I've often thought, what if there's maybe 2,000 Christians come from all over the place? I've often thought, what if no Christian ever came? How it would be like a lid would come off of that evil Pandora's box. A preservative. Salt creates a thirst. We do so through our words and our deeds, our life, our hunger. But truly to Jesus Christ, you see, this was a long time ago. This was 1970. That was in the days when they would greet those long-haired, weird looking people in the back of the church with a pair of scissors and a candle I saw. And they said, boy, you need to get saved before you can get saved. How love you know Jesus catches his fish before he cleans them? Amen. Yeah. And these were those days, and I was like that. I was about 75 pounds wider than I am today, long, scraggly hair, pierced ear, eight hairs hanging from my chin. I was desperate to grow a beard. It wasn't working, but I was trying anyhow. I looked like a reject from a bad pirate movie, somebody said. To this young man sharing his story in a high school assembly. I was 19. I had a unique high school career. I was enrolled in four high schools, attended three, and expelled from one. I'm going to the high school reunion that I was expelled from in the fall. I love it. I feel like Jack Nicholson when he played the Joker in Batman. I know you all are so holy you never saw it. But he says, Actually, Nicholson is from the town I was born in. I don't know what that means. We'll move forward and get back into the word of God. But what drew me to Jesus that day was I met a man that had Jesus in his life and wasn't afraid to show him. There was something intangibly different about him. I didn't care for the way he dressed. I didn't care for kind of how he came off. He just told his story about being delivered from drugs and his, his life as a rock musician in Hollywood and all of that. I thought maybe I, I played a little music. I thought maybe I could connect with somebody in Hollywood and play music out there. Didn't work. What caught my attention was he had Jesus in his life. I'm Jewish and I'm from New Jersey. I had no idea where I grew up. He was a Jewish Catholic weird. I didn't know know what a Baptist was. We had a Methodist church on the other side of town. Had no idea what it was about. Didn't know if I knew anybody there, and if I did, they were weirdos. But I wanted what I saw in this guy's life. Didn't know what it was, but it was Jesus Christ. You see, he was creating a thirst and an appetite and an interest in me for what was in him. There was something different. Jesus makes us just a little bit or a lot of it different. How many of you agree with me on that? Salt and its effectiveness depend upon two factors. Number one, potency. How much like Jesus are we? Okay. Secondly, I look to be like Jesus. You don't have to have long hair, beard, robe, sandals. Ladies, you wouldn't look good in a beard. Let me just start right there. All right. Now, we need to be like Jesus. Amen. We're growing in that. The second is proximity. We have to get up close and personal, don't we? Where I grew up, man, in New Jersey, we had every winter snow and ice all over the place. Our driveways, our sidewalks, we all had a bag of salt. Uh salt in the bag in the garage did absolutely no good. When that ice hit the sidewalk in the driveway, we took the bag out popped it open and rubbed it into the ice. We had to get up close and personal. Jesus wants us to get up close and personal to influence others from Him. We can call them in from the north, the east, the south and the west and after we prayed and sung it, we go out and connect with somebody. How many of you think that makes good sense? Yeah. Jesus said, go into all the world. As salt, we infiltrate the world that we live in. Yeah. God places us uniquely and individually wherever we are at. We're the salt of the earth. We affect everything and everybody we come in contact with. That is the sport Anybody get anything out of this yet this morning? Yeah. Otherwise, no, I'm not going to change my sermon. I'll just keep going. Element number two. Jesus said, you're the light of the world. A city that's set on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp or put it under a basket. But I'm a lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. In the same way, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. When we chose to become followers of Jesus Christ, how many of you know you are not born a Christian, but you make the choice for Christ to come into your life and you become His Father? How many of us that here today? God has no grandchildren, only children. When we chose to follow Christ, there's an incredible verse that comes into play in our life. Psalm 37:23 says, The steps of a good man and woman are ordered and directed by the Lord. How many of you know God guides your life by your steps? God doesn't lead your life by the big stuff, by the highlights and the important events. Oh, God, who am I going to marry? Oh, God, what is my ministry? Oh, God, what is my... God doesn't lead your life by that. God leads your life by steps. Now, if you get out of step, you may not connect the dots to the larger things in your life, but God leads your life by steps. Have you ever had a divine appointment? You're just going about your daily life. You may not even feel spiritual, and all of a sudden you bump into somebody, and maybe they have a word from God for you. Or you have something for them. Many years ago when we were just starting in ministry, we had just moved to Dallas from Hollywood, California. I had two little kids. They're grown and I've got grandkids by them now. I lived a long time ago. And we didn't have a whole lot of money. Matter of fact, it's getting pretty lean. So I decided to go to Redbird Mall and find a job. I can't sell much of anything, but I figured I'd go to J.C. JCPenney's or something to do something. So I get in my car, and I drive. I lived in Duncanville. I drove over to Redbird Mall. I go walking in the mall, and I'm feeling kind of bummed out. And I, I, I see on the other side of the store there's a big, tall pastor that I knew. He's got a really deep voice. And I looked at him, I thought, I'm going to avoid him. I'm feeling bummed out. But because he was tall, he saw me. And he says, Hello, Brother Scott. How are you doing? Busted. I looked at him and I did the Christian thing. I lied. I said, praise the Lord, I'm doing wonderful. Now, I didn't have to give him a long-range storm and weather report, but I just was thinking. It. And so I had to go over and talk to him. He's over there with my men's socks. I needed socks. My kids needed socks. <laughs> and then he begins to prophesy to me and J.C. Penney's and something broke inside of me. I turned around and went home. In the natural, I was in worse shape than when I went there. Why? Because I spent money on gas to get there. But something broke. God has divine appointments for us, and we're on either end of them. You still with me here today? You see, God's desire is to uniquely and strategically place each and every one of us in a place to reflect His light and His life to those in darkness. Our position is not to be in or quote, but to be set in a place to radiate His light to the world. Oh, Scott, everybody here goes to church. Yeah, but they may not know Jesus. Going to church won't make you a Christian anymore. than living in the garage turns you into a cop. way. We can brighten the lives of those who are closed in darkness today. Salt and light affect everything they come in contact with and so should you and I. Amen. I'm not too far away from closing today. Acts 1:8 says this, since this is the day of Pentecost, I need to talk about this again for a moment. You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And it doesn't say you shall go on mission trips. It doesn't read you shall do outreaches. It says we shall be witnesses. The Lord has graced us. I've been to Cuba five times in the last two and a half years. Every six months, the Lord has opened the door for us to go. It's been absolutely amazing. On our first trip, the team in the morning would stand up and share and and one team member said well I've done this mission trip, I've done this mission trip, I do this outreach, And and something struck me, not being so spiritual beyond everyone else, but I thought I don't do mission trips and I don't do outreaches. I've chosen to live my life on a mission, not because I'm an evangelist, a preacher, or anything else. But because I'm a Christian, I've chosen to live my life on a mission. Now, the things that I've been engaged in and continue to be, that's just an overflow expression. But my life as lived is lived on mission. I want God to use every area of my life. Why? Jesus changed me and I want people to know that Jesus that changed me that lives inside of me that has walked with me and my family for 49 years that, that has poured out his grace beyond what I can imagine people say how are you doing I go better than I deserve Amen. oh Scott you deserve the best no I deserve to die and go to hell but because I opened my life to God he had mercy and grace on me Amen. Amen. One day, a long time ago, I was living in Colorado. I was driving a 56 Ford, blue Ford. The car had come from Michigan. I could tell because it had rust all the way down the bottom and even on the floorboard. So I was careful driving in the Colorado mountains. And I was having a conversation with God. I was demanding. I said, God, I want what I deserve on this. He said, you want what you deserve, son? I said, yes. He said, you deserve to die and go to hell. I said, no, back up. <laughs> Mercy, grace, give me more tonight I deserve. Yeah. And God does that, does it? He? He's good, he loves us, he cares for us. And you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit is gone upon you and we will be witnesses. How will the world know if we don't live and we don't tell?
3: Yeah.
0: He sent me to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, Texas, Oklahoma, Arkansas, New Jersey, Cuba. And to be his agents of change in the world that we live in. In 2 Corinthians 5, 20, we read, now then, we are ambassadors for Christ. Where are Jesus' representatives in Durant? Right here. Thank you very much. And over here, too. All there may maybe some other churches right here, right now. We are... We are Christ's ambassadors. As though God were pleading through us, friends, He actually is. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. Friend, there's two words. They're very powerful words that we often utter throughout the course of our life. They're the words, What? If what if? What if I, I would have taken that job? What if we would have moved over here? What if I wouldn't have married you? No, we're not talking about that. <laughs> what if? They can either be words of regret or challenge. Yeah. What if men and women of God, brothers and sisters? we chose to live our life as Jesus already said we are we are designed to influence other people I was reading in my devotions this morning about the father of modern missions his name is William Carey his father Carey's father let him know that He really couldn't amount to much with the qualifications in life that he had. And when he spoke this to Carrie, Carrie acknowledged, Well, I have one good trait. It's that I plod. I just plod. I just go forward. I just go forward. Then it began to outline. But Carrie's day began to look like getting up at 5.45 in the morning, reading an hour out of the Hebrew Bible, then going and translating into Sanskrit, then teaching a class for a couple of hours, then doing this, and the guy just kept going. Babe Ruth said, You can't beat a man who will never give up.
3: Woo.
0: You just keep on going. The greatest ministry we can have in life is showing up. Amen. We just show up. Yeah. We just show up. Yeah. We just show up. Yeah. What if we chose to live our life as agents of change? Asking God, God, use me to influence other people. You don't have to have a name and lights. You don't even have to stand behind a pulpit or a lectern. What if we chose to live this way? Friends, I come pleading today on behalf of our world. We were never meant to be spectators in the things of God, but to be participants. If all Christianity is, my friend, is this. Hallelujah, praise the Lord. A couple of bucks for the basket. Good word, Pastor. <laughs> and then by the time we roll out the parking lot, nothing that has taken place has been deeply influenced or touched our life to the point that we allow it to flow through us. What if we chose to believe that God has a purpose for every one of our lives? He has a mission. He has assignments. My life's verse is Acts 2024, 20, and I'm reading from the new quoting from the New Living Dr. Holler. <laughs> My life is worth nothing to me unless I use it for finishing the work assigned me by the Lord Jesus, the work of telling others the good news about the wonderful grace of God. What if, my friend, what if we became the agents of change Jesus designed for us? You've heard the saying, well, you know, uh, you know why did the moment I get saved go home to be with Jesus? Because He's not done. It doesn't want to get stuff to you alone, but through you into the world that we live in. That's my mm-hmm. word for you today. The work of God isn't finished. Some of us have a few miles on us. Some of us are wondering when it's over. You know, I heard the singer Cher, forgive me for quoting her. (laughs) She's older than dirt and made more plastic surgeons rich than you can imagine. But she was recently asked, when is she gonna stop singing and touring and doing all this? She said, I'm going to go till I'm finished. until I'm through the work of God isn't finished and neither are we neither is the church but today I ask will you say Jesus use me as an agent of change in my world Mm -hmm. so many times today I was thinking about this We romanticize overseas missions. And I think it's great. But God never designed us to be sprinkler heads where we water the world but are dry underneath. God wants that same living water to flow right here. Coincidentally, His church is called the River. I'm going to ask you to close your eyes with me for just a moment as we prepare to play. And in a moment, I'm going to ask for those of you that would say, Jesus, I want to be an agent of change. You already said, I'm the salt of the earth, the life of the world. Increase my saltiness and the brightness of my light to influence other people. Maybe that will begin by walking through your community, your neighborhood, or maybe if it's a little spread out, you drive through there, you begin to pray. You begin to ask the Lord to open the door for you to connect with people. You begin to ask Him to open your eyes that you can see the harvest right in front of us. And then it turns into a really appealing mission field. And you can begin to connect with folks and build a bridge. And you only build a bridge in order to bring something, or in our case, somebody across, and that's Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. But my friend today, I believe that we are the agents of change that our world needs. We're greater than the president of the United States, greater than the governor of our state, greater than any mayors or politicians or city officials or national officials. It's God's people that will bring change beginning with one heart and one life at a time. So in a moment, I'm going to ask for those of you that say, Scott, I want you to use my life. I want God to use me to influence other people. I'll give you all that I am and all that I'm not. But before I ask you this, I must ask you this question. Could it be that you're here today and you say, Scott, I need, a, I need a fresh start in my walk with God, or maybe you need to begin a real close walk with Jesus Christ while coming to church, as I said earlier, is a wonderful thing. That in itself does not make you a child of God and a believer any more than if you lived in a garage, you'd turn into a car, but it comes... When you individually call out to Jesus and, Jesus, forgive me for everything wrong I've ever said or done, every sin. You pay the price for all of this. Yeah. I ask you to forgive me. I trade the life that I'm living for the life you died to give me, and you come live inside of me. Thank you, Jesus. Or maybe you began that at some point in your life, but life happens and things mm-hmm. go down. and and distractions and you get pulled off path you become involved in things you never wanted to be but now you are and you want to renew your relationship with Christ whatever the case you say I want to make my heart or my life right with God either for the first time or a renewed time if that's you today no one else is looking around but would you raise your hand up and say Scott that's me and we'll pray together in just a moment thank you, thank you thank you, thank you, thank you Thank you, thank you. You can put those hands down. Secondly this, today you say, God, I want to live my life as Jesus said I am, the salt of the earth and the light of the world. I want to ask you for divine appointments, that you lead my life, not just for my benefit alone, but that I can be a blessing and I can touch and I can reach somebody else. If that would be you today, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand, but stand to your feet right now, saying, I choose to be an agent of change with the help of the Holy Spirit. And if you raised your hand a moment or two ago to make your heart and your life right with God, join these on their feet right now. And in our prayer, we will pray twofold. First, for those making their heart and life right with God. And secondly, that the Holy Spirit will empower us and lead us as the salt of the earth and the light of the world to touch a little lives. Would you raise both of your hands as if you're lifting up the entirety of your life to Jesus Christ, if you can do that. And pray along with me right now. God listens to simple prayers in response. Let's begin to pray from the depths of our heart. Lord Jesus, thank you for your goodness and loving kindness. You've done more for me than I could ever deserve. You paid the price for all of my sin, everything wrong I've ever said, thought, or done. You took care of on the cross. Forgive me, Jesus, for living my life in ways that haven't pleased you. I exchange the life that I'm living for the life you died to give me. Live inside of me now, Lord. I choose to follow you. You have said, I am the salt of the earth and the light of the world. I choose, I choose to live as an agent of change. Let my life, Let my life by, the the Spirit, by the power of the Holy Spirit, be used to point and draw others to you. In Jesus' name. Now let's give God an expression of thanks. Lord, we love you today. God, we honor you. We praise you, God. We thank you. We thank you. I to be seated for just a moment. I want to outline a very simple strategy for you before I give it back to Pastor. I don't know what time you're normally done, but it's early or late, no matter what your clock says. <laughs>
2: That's right.
0: But I believe that we can influence our neighborhood. I've watched even through my own life how God has allowed us to touch and reach people around us without a whole lot of massive effort, just by a choice. Yeah. My wife and I, a while back, we moved into a, a new neighborhood, so we decided to take a walk around the block. And we, as we got a few steps away from our house, we saw a dead snake on the on, by the curb. We stopped and looked at the snake. Then our neighbor comes out, never met the guy. He walks out and goes, I killed that snake! <laughs> Then he came over and began to talk to us. And so we're talking to him, introducing ourselves. Then another family is taking their evening constitutional and they walk by the snake. And Nancy and I, and then all of a sudden, we're meeting our neighbors (laughs) over a snake. And it gave us an opportunity to connect. Here's a few thoughts if you live in a Community that you can walk around. If not, if you live out where you need to drive a mile, well, drive and pray anyway. But But here's a thought. One, begin to bless your community, no matter where you are. Don't cuss it. Don't curse about it. You may see the things that need help, but don't obsess over them. Like one guy was walking through his neighborhood, the Lord told him to walk through and pray over the neighborhood, and he started walking around going, Lord, you know, these kids over here, they're rowdy, they're loud, they're a menace. These, these neighbors over there, dogs never shut up. Yeah, this house, and the Lord just reminded him that he was complaining and not praying and blessing for them, so he changed. You walk through, you begin to pray, God, touch Lord, touch those troubled kids over there. God, bring that family. And you begin to look for ways to connect. I was walking out my door one day, one Sunday morning, getting ready to go speak, and my neighbor in this other new neighborhood we moved into, uh, he's out washing his car. He goes in and tells his wife. He said, "Hey, I just saw Scott. He's dressed pretty sharp. He's going to church to preach. We need to go to church." Wow! I just did by walking out the door on a Sunday morning, dressing maybe a little better than I normally do. <laughs> We desire for God to use our life. You begin to make that connection. Maybe it involves coffee, a barbecue, a meal. Then you begin to potentially look for a need you might begin to fill. Mm -hmm. And at that point, you've built a bridge. Sometimes we want to jump out. I'm talking about reaching your neighbor. Sometimes we want to jump out and immediately go, hey, I'm your
3: new neighbor! Oh, yes.
0: But you begin to, I'm talking about being the salt and light and the agents of change and influence in the world that we live in. And you've built that bridge by first you're praying and you're blessing, then you're connecting and then you're fellowshipping, maybe sharing, but then you've built that bridge. The opportunity is there to begin to speak and declare the life-changing message of Jesus. Just a little practical Takeaway for you. I'm honored to be here with you today. I'm very grateful. And, and my prayer is for God's blessing, God's direction. I believe we're in the greatest time we could live in to influence people with the gospel. But things are crazy and unstable, we are anchored in the rock, we are light. we are shining, and we have somebody to talk about. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Pastors, thank you so much. Amen. Amen.
2: Well, were you blessed? Amen. Amen. Thank you, Scott. God bless you. Are you going to do the declaration?
1: No, you're going to. Oh. Thank you, Scott. I cry every time I hear him preach, right all the way through it. it moves me. He Moves me with a message. Let's dismiss a movie. Yeah. Let's dismiss a movie. Yeah. You know, you can think of somebody right now that needs a witness. Find them today. Call them today. Reach out to them today. Why are still on your mind? Okay. All right.
2: We're going to go out of here with a shout. Let's make our declaration. Thank you. Thank you, Father, for blessing your people in their going out just like you blessed them in their coming in. Thank you, Father, that you have caused us to be the head and not the tail above and not beneath first not last the victor no longer the victim thank you precious father that you caused the mountains and the hills to break forth with singing and the trees of the field to clap their hands as we go forth armed and dangerous with the word of god have a blessed week Amen.